This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Big thanks to the title sponsor of the Big Show. That'd be Big O. Save up $190 off Michelin tires with financing options available only at your locally owned and operated Big O Tires, the team you trust. Big O Tires. We talked to Sam Amick of The Athletic coming up here momentarily. We'll get his thoughts as uh, the Jazz remain red hot. I can't tell you how, how fun it is. And you know this, Jake, obviously. But isn't it fun talking to our NBA Daily Assist guys. I mean, every one of them, I look forward to hearing what they have to say. Yeah, they're all good. Yeah, I yeah. couldn't agree more. Always a and highlight Sam, of the week. Sam, of course, is, Sam's fantastic. And as uh, our listeners know, he's been writing about the Jazz a lot this year. Yes, he has. Did he call them adorable? I don't think he called them adorable, but maybe, oh. maybe we can ask if he agrees with that assessment. When was the last time you used the word adorable? Oh, I don't know. I've got a young kid so i feel like i've used that a fair amount yeah let's ask him all right uh austin if you please let's get to the open it's time for your nba fix this is the big show daily assist featuring all the latest news and insight on the association now joining the big show senior nba writer for the athletic sam amick on 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Sam, happy Thursday. How you doing? Happy Thursday, guys. I'm hanging in. Good to be with you. Hey, we uh, we always look forward to it, Sam. And we've got a lot to get to uh, with you this week, as we do every week. But uh, we were just chatting about Nick Wright. And I don't know if you know him, but he, he uh, is on a TV show on FS1. And he talked about the Jazz today. And he called them adorable. And what they are doing is adorable. It's adorable. <laughs> Could you think of a better word to describe the Jazz performance than adorable? Man, I mean, he, he took the words right out of my mouth. You know, that's what I was going to go with, adorable cute, charming, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm assuming it's in that vein of kind of, you know, skepticism and, and the idea that, like uh, like Marquise Morris of the Lakers even said after the game, the the, uh, the playoffs are a different beast, and, and we'll see if Utah can do it then. And, I mean, that part of the discussion is, you know, it's going to be there until the end. I mean, it, that part, to a degree, is fair. I mean, we, we saw this, not this Jazz team, but it's you know, we saw the Jazz lose that 3-1 lead to Denver in the playoffs and, and and be bounced pretty quickly. So there's no way to rectify that, you know, other than getting back there again and, and having a different outcome. Um, but I think the, the conversation has got to be more respectful of the Jazz. And, I mean, regular season dominance matters when you see historical context like uh, 22 of the first 32 games – you know, with double-digit wins for the first time in NBA history. You know, you see third-quarter dominance. Uh, like I, I saw the other day that, the, you know, the Bucks and, and Warriors team, I think it was Bucks and Warriors, that um, these Jazz are right there with them with, you know, best third-quarter teams of all time in terms of uh, 
point differential. So, you, you know, there's a lot of information telling us that this is real, and it is going to create a lot of expectations going into the postseason. But, uh, you know, adorable is probably not what I would have gone with. What word would you go with, Sam? Um, what word would I go with to explain the jazz? I mean, the, the easy, not very creative one is, is dominant. They're very dominant. Um, I <laughs> this is not a, not a great one either. I mean, the word thorough comes to mind. I'm trying to to get at like the the depth of what they do. Maybe depth is the word, um, but but even that's too simplistic, you know. And, and to me, it is the the layers that this team has in terms of its fabric. Is, is what makes it so different. And it's the defensive identity that, you know, goes well beyond Rudy and what he does. And I certainly think he's the defensive player of the year right now. But it's the wing defenders who get the job done. And, you know, and then on the offensive end, you know, it is this one-of-a-kind formula where you have six players scoring in double figures and you have shooting for days. You know, they what they have 29 two games ago, 29 threes. Yep. And then uh, I don't know what they finished with last night, but it was up there. Um, I mean, the shooting and the way that Rudy kind of makes that all work offensively as the guy in the middle is incredible. But they just have, you know, more hands in their cookie jar than any other team in the league right now. And I think that's why you're seeing that dominance. Just a couple of notes for you, Sam. That, that game against Charlotte, they had 19 threes off the bench, which has never happened in the NBA before. And the last two games, since they made 22 three-pointers last night, uh, they made 50 over a two-game span, which has also never happened before in NBA history. So, I mean, you know, they're doing some things that we haven't seen before. And on kind of a related note, I enjoyed your, your – um, piece at the athletic on the mvp race and i also appreciated that you did talk about the jazz and even though you didn't have somebody represented in the discussion you explained why so let's talk about this a little bit sure uh yeah i mean yeah i don't mind jumping in i mean that's you know it it was funny because as i wrote the piece yeah admittedly a lot this is kind of my process but a lot of times i'll be finishing a story and it's pretty late at night and you're you're running out of gas, and but you want to make sure you feel okay about, you know, or feel good about the, uh, the the work that you're putting out there. And was you know, and, and I was done for the night. Well, my pro, you know, the process is in the morning. It'll go up about an hour after I wake up. We kind of go through it one last time. And so, thankfully, I woke up and had the epiphany of like, you know, hey, dummy, you didn't say anything about Utah. You know, even though you don't have, I mean, I had thought about their guys, but I hadn't. I just at least addressed the elephant in the room. So I ended up adding that last paragraph pretty late in the process. And, you know, I did make a choice to not have essentially any jazz players in the top 10 for MVP because it had a top five ranking and then a second tier with five more guys. And not an easy choice. Um, you know, and then one of the difficulties is I'm still, yeah, I'd be somewhat on the fence about which guy on the Jazz that would be. I think it would be Rudy, um, but we are admittedly a little program to, to consider wing players first. That doesn't make it right by any means, but, you know, Donovan's been good. Um, but you, you said something a second ago that, that touches on what I wrote, which is that it's not just the depth, um, but the more hands you have in the cookie jar, I think, you know, the, the, the harsh truth is that the stars are the main core players you know, the, the less credit they get. Because if you have 
big players in double figures. If you have bench guys hitting 19 threes, that's a very different formula than James Harden and Kyrie Irving dominating for Brooklyn or, you know, so many of these star-driven teams. Uh, and, you know, the Rudy Gobert discussion is a really interesting one because he's forcing us to potentially rethink what an MVP candidate looks like. Uh, again, I'm not there yet right now, um, but I do get it. You know, at our place at the Athletic, you know, John Hollinger had written that uh, he believes that Rudy should be in the discussion. And I'm certainly processing those opinions, and I, I get it for sure. But uh, for me, I'm not there yet. Sam, maybe it is that uh, maybe people don't believe because they don't see a LeBron James on this team. But that is, in fact, the beauty of the team. And I know that's not the formula right. for championships in the past. But but it's it's like Jake and I have said so many times in the last week, few weeks that this team wins in different ways. I mean, they're, they're third in offensive rating and second in defensive rating. And they're first in overall net rating. Uh, this team is not just some pretty team that goes out and bombs away. It plays defense, too. And, and that's why you would think that at some point uh, – the, the the people would start, if not saying, okay, this is a championship team, at least giving putting them on the table with that discussion. No, I'm with you for sure, Gordon. Uh, I just don't – I would not equate – I really would never equate, you know, the MVP discussion with, with respect collectively as a team. Uh, if anything, uh -huh. it's a weird tip of the hat to what the Jazz have built – that they could be this dominant and not have an MVP candidate, or at least a traditional one, um, because I 100% take them seriously as a title contender. And in a lot of ways, you know, Steve Kerr earlier this season, kind of being the first, you know, rival coach, if you will, to publicly say that he sees Utah as a real threat. You know, that was real substantive because of who Steve is and what his Warriors teams had done, and, and in some ways. You know, this team does remind me a little bit of those Warriors teams, at least when it comes to the depth. Because as much fun as it was to watch Steph Curry and Clay Thompson do their thing, and I guess I would mainly focus on the pre-Kevin Durant era, um, what we are seeing now with, from the Warriors is a reminder that Steph's great. We're seeing his greatness right now. Uh, Draymond is still a, a high-level all-star caliber player, even though he's not scoring at all. He's an incredibly unique, impactful player. But they don't have the Andre Iguodala's, the Sean Livingston's, the Andrew Bogut's, uh, the David West player, you know, players like that. That that you know that was the Warriors' depth, and that was what made them so dangerous. Is that on both ends of the floor, you had you know even you know the Andrew Barbosa had a good stand with them. All these different players that, that made it incredibly difficult to guard them, to score against them. And the Jazz right now have that. I mean, I'm watching last night, and nobody on the Lakers could – I mean, Jordan Clarkson was a water bug out there, and nobody could keep up with him. And even when he was shooting from long range, it really struck me that, you know, just his, his kind of bounce and his quickness and, his, you know, deliberateness with his shot, the, the Lakers had nothing for it. You know, and Donovan, I, I forget how long it was before Donovan even scored in that game, and the Jazz are up 11 in the third quarter, you know, late second quarter, whatever it was. And, and that's what it is. It's these waves of, of scorers. You know, one night it's Yang hitting a bunch of threes, then it's Joe Ingles, you know, 
And uh, it's so many guys, that's a lot to ask, you know, of the opponent to slow that down. Sam, want to ask you about the Lakers who we saw last night and juxtapose them a little bit with the Clippers uh, because depth is becoming a bit of a theme in this week's conversation. But when they faced the shorthanded Clippers a week ago Wednesday, man, the Clippers fought. Uh, you saw some good play. I mean, it was not, uh, you know, the Jazz won by a little bit, but it was certainly not an easy win. And then last night against the Lakers, you know, it was LeBron and then a bunch of other guys. It seemed like the there was a, a difference in depth there against both shorthanded teams. Is depth going to be a problem for this Lakers team? Yeah, it could be. I mean, you know, no Dennis Schroeder is an underrated thing that people are talking about enough. Um, Lakers actually, I think, won their first game without Anthony Davis after he got hurt. But then when Schroeder went down, they started dropping games. So the combination of no Davis and no Schroeder, has obviously been real tough for LeBron. Now, my my friend and colleague, uh, Tim McMahon of ESPN, had a tweet last night that, that I thought kind of hit it on the head where he said that if the Jazz and Lakers faced off in the playoffs, that, you know, he, he said his opinion would be LeBron and AD would be the two best players in the series, but that the Jazz might have 3 through 10, you know, once you got past those two guys. And, again, that speaks to what Utah has and, and how they were built. Um, the Clippers, the Clippers are funny right now because you can sense that you know they feel as if you know that they've been overlooked a little bit too because there's so much Lakers talk as the reigning champions. And, and watching that game, I felt like the Clippers wanted to make sure that Utah, you know, didn't think that it was up on their big boy level just yet. And they clearly are. But in a game like that, you can take a pulse and, and see where you're at. Um, ironically, it was about a week before where you got I got that sense from Brooklyn playing against the Clippers, where the Nets beating the Clippers kind of gave the Nets confidence and made them feel like you know they were in this thing for real. So all these different teams are sizing each other up and and kind of seeing where they stand. Now you know the Jazz have approached these challenges, I think, in a, a pretty healthy way. I mean Donovan talking after that Clippers game about, you know, what they would pull away and, and why he felt like it was a growing pains moment. But a positive one, I thought, was a mature kind of perspective on it. But, yeah, I mean, depth is going to be big. Uh, I would certainly take the Clippers' depth over the Lakers right now. Um, on the Lakers, Montrose Harrell, as the Clippers know really well, he can do some nice things for you. But, you know, his defense last night was just embarrassing. And, and that's something that the Clippers saw plenty of times over but nobody's got Utah's depth. I mean, I, I really believe that. What do you think of the Suns, Sam? Are they a legitimate threat in the West as far as, you know, being a, a postseason situation that could hurt somebody? Yeah, I, truthfully, I feel like it, i got to do my homework on the Suns. Uh, I watch them a bit. You're guilty of not taking them seriously enough. You know, uh, I was surprised early on when they didn't get off to as good a start as – you know, I thought they would. I mean, coming off the the bubble performance and then adding Chris Paul, you know, I, I thought they'd be finding their way pretty quickly. But it's it's pretty remarkable that they're right there in the thick of things right now. And and one, you know, thing that jumps out at me there is that Jay Crowder um, has been a nice fit for them. You know, Mikael Bridges, another important player. But like Jay, yeah, you know, kind of under the radar in the off season, going from Miami to Phoenix, like you know. You know, I, I just remember Jay playing real well for the Heat, and uh, and they miss him out there, and he's helping the Suns. So Devin Booker's been fantastic. You know, I'm happy for him that 
pretty good on that all-star team, even though it unfortunately comes at, at Mike Conley's expense. Um, but, I, you know, I think they're they're good. I feel like they're probably playing above their heads right now. But, you know, we'll see over time. What's happening with Boston, Sam? I saw that their uh, their owner made some comments today about the departure of Kyrie Irving throwing them for a loop. Are they are they a mess, or what's going on there? Uh, I think they're okay. You know, I think their biggest problem in terms of managing this situation right now is I actually talked to someone about it this morning. That, like, when you got Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, who have already accomplished such a great deal early on in their careers, and they're now accustomed to conference finals appearances. And they have that mentality of, like, we are among the elite in the East, and that's where we plan on staying. It's hard to then kind of pivot and say, okay, we lost a lot of veteran players after last season, and so now we're going to need to rebuild a little bit you know, while you guys still keep doing their thing. And then by the time you hit your prime, you know, because we forget how young those guys are. So by the time you're 25 to 27, we're going to be in really good shape again contending for a title. But to get from here to like two years from now and not have everybody want to kill each other internally with the Celtics because of, you know, not meeting expectations, that's going to be hard. But uh, the question right now going into the March 25th trade deadline is, is just kind of how aggressive are they going to be? They've got that massive trade exception for the Gordon Hayward deal with the signing trade with Charlotte that they can use. You know, they're certainly looking at a lot of different things. But I think the internal discussion is, you know, let's not make a move that hurts us a couple years down the road. Um, but I do think there's a fair amount of pressure. And, you know, I, I looked at Twitter, I think this morning or last night, and Danny Ainge was uh, was trending because he had publicly said that, that they were really close on a bunch of trades, you know, within the last year. And people, you know, people are kind of growing tired in, in the Celtics space and their fans of Danny always kind of acting like uh, we, were, we were real close to getting the deal that would have gotten us back to championship level. So I'm curious to see what they do. Who's your favorite in the East? Is it the Sixers or is it the Nets, uh, Sam, or is it somebody else? I, I mean, I, I got to go with the Nets right now. You know, Sixers, I give them respect, but they've fallen off a bit. And if you really break down their numbers, they just, you know, I think the record is, you know, somewhat better than the uh, the data and the analytics. Um, so, the Nets have been dominant. And, I mean, it's funny because in that MVP piece that you guys mentioned, I had kind of a, a, a nod to James Harden in the second five. So I don't ever remember an MVP race where I, mean, I legitimately feel as if, you know, quite a few guys in that second tier that I mentioned, that I could see them winning the whole thing. And James Harden's one of them. If they keep dominating, you know, right now I had him down the list because he's only played in – 18 out of the Nets' 33 games, you know, in terms of, you know, starting in Houston and, and whatnot. But if you get to the end of the season and he's playing like this and they're dominating like this, then I could see James Harden being MVP. I could see, you know, that Kevin Durant was on the short list until he had the combination of COVID protocol and, and then injury. But, you know, Durant's been amazing. They, uh, they are a bit of an enigma because – they just—they're still not very good defensively, even during this winning streak. 
you know, the numbers have gotten better, but they're still in the bottom third of the league defensively, and that's not only what you see out of a title contender, but it's hard to not just look at it and say, you know, we talk about star power. Um, they've got it in spades. So I, I'd probably be picking Brooklyn right now, but, you know, I'm not giving up on Milwaukee at all. Um, you know, Drew Holiday's been out, and, uh, you know, and, and so they're still only a couple games back of, of that top spot in the East, so it should be a good race. Sam, great stuff as always. Thank you very much, and we'll catch you next week. You got it. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Sam. Our friend Sam Emick from the Athletic, senior NBA writer, and his uh, his uh, column. Blog. What do what do we call online published stuff? Is it still a column, Gordon? He does. I th- I think still a column. Yeah, it's an analysis. A column. Yeah, a piece, a a story, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. Jake. Anyway, uh, talking about investigation the, uh, about the MVP races is, is good, and he does. He goes in there and and explains why. Uh, jazz players aren't on the list just yet. So if you're grumpy about it, at least he goes through and justifies it. By the way, he uh, I had an earworm moment with him there at the end. Did you? He what? said the word data or uh, data. Uh-huh. Take that for data. Oh, yeah. Every time. Every time? Every time Every someone time. says the word data or data. You have he to also, take that for table. data. He also, in that discussion, he said, like that. Like that? He did. We, Jake and I looked at each other in we that did. moment. Uh-huh. Like that? Like that. It like really that? is. I mean, it's to the point now. Why would I even think that in talking to Sam? But the second he said it, you like that? It, yeah, you think it every time. And now it's fun. <laughs> fun. 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 Like that. Fun. 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 What was the uh, what was the purpose of the uh, extra emphasis on the end on fun when you said that? Me? Yeah. I don't know. I didn't do it on purpose. Fun. 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 Why did Why did you go up an octave? <laughs> I I don't know. I was just going for extra emphasis, and I think of all the funds that we have there. Mine has the most credibility. Fun. Is that what you're aiming for? Credibility? Fun. Doesn't mine sound more convincing? I guess, sure. Sure, you can have that mantle. Let's hear that's, one more time. That's fine. Fun. 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 Hansa sounds the most robotic. Fun. 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 Yeah, but see, Hansa doesn't even sound like he means it. He probably doesn't. Fun, fun, fun. <laughs> All right, stay tuned. We'll have more Big Show coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is DJ and PK. Time to welcome in Jovan Buha, the Lakers B-Rider for the Athletic. From the Laker perspective, which team concerns you more, the Clippers or the Jazz? Right now it's the Jazz with how they're playing. Some people have defaulted to, well, every year there's a regular season team that breaks out. It's not legit. But I think with the sample size that we're seeing now, you can't discount that. I've personally been a big Utah guy over the last couple of years. Like I felt that they were the third best team in the West each of the last two seasons. I buy this. I think they're really, really good. I think this shows what happened happens when you keep a core together and just add some pieces around the fringes and the team is very dangerous. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10 on 97.5 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I want to remind you about our friends at Davis Vision Davis Vision is giving you 1,000 reasons to get rid of those contacts or glasses. That's $1,000 off LASIK during the month of February. Start your road to vision at davisvisionmd.com or call today, 801-253-3080. That's 801-253-3080 at Davis Vision. Gordon, uh, I've I've got kind of a story I came across for you. Um, All right. Do you ever wonder if as generations go by, we are getting softer as, uh, as humans? How do you define softer? Not as tough. Well, what does that mean? Because there is pure toughness and then there is greater sensitivity toward certain things. And I don't consider some of that a compliment. This coming from the guy who says that Roger, uh, uh, Mr. Rogers made everyone soft. True. <laughs> I didn't say he made everyone I soft. Called him a wuss. <laughs> I did not. Okay. Well, uh, okay, Gordon, I'm I'm a little confused by your answer. But uh, Dateline 1941, London, England. All right. Okay. Okay. Uh, At the Richmond Golf Club in London, England, they changed the rules of golf temporarily to match the times. Uh Uh-huh. Now, Gordon, what was uh, going on in uh, London, England in 1941? A war. Well, more specifically, World World War World War Two. That's not what I'm looking for. The Blitz, the bombing, the the, the Blitz of the Blitz of uh, London. Uh, yes. So uh, where the Luftwaffe bombed uh, London for months on end. So what? <laughs> Luftwaffe. Okay, you said it funny, but all right. Well, pardon me, uh, Air Monson. We're but, all in the same. Is, how here. is it pronounced? Luftwaffe. Oh, well, sorry, I missed Das Leben that. neben East. Uh, so right. here are the seven, <laughs> the seven rule changes at uh, Richmond Golf Course in London, England. Okay, right to the the game of golf. Mm-hmm. One players are asked to collect the bomb and shrapnel splinters to save these causing damage to the mowing machines. Oh, Two okay. in competitions. During gunfire, while bombs are falling, players may take shelter without penalty or ceasing play. Three, the positions of known delayed action bombs are marked at a reasonable but not guaranteed safe distance therefrom. Four, shrapnel and or bomb splinters on the fairways or in bunkers within a club's length of a ball may be moved without penalty and no penalty shall be incurred if a ball is thereby caused to move accidentally. Number five, a ball moved by enemy action may be replaced or if lost or destroyed, a ball may be dropped not nearer the hole without penalty. Number six, a ball lying in a crater may be dropped not near the hole, preserving the line to the hole without penalty. And finally, seven, a player whose stroke is affected by the simultaneous explosion of a bomb may play another ball, penalty one stroke. 
Okay. Not only not only were the the good citizens of uh, Britain at the time not going to let a little something like bombing uh, ruin uh, you, you know affect their way of life, but they actually altered the rules to the game to fit it. Which means they were going out golfing. Yes. During Blitzkrieg. And they hear the the sirens and everybody goes, "Okay, everybody, remember where your ball is. If it if it gets hit by a bomb, don't worry, you can you can drop it, but just a not mulligan. closer to the hole." <laughs> it's amazing. Amazing. You know, all this speaks to me is that there is some big time gambling going on. Oh, wow. Way to throw fire or water on this fire. This positive oh. fire that we were oh, talking what, what about. Are you talking how it's about? keep calm and carry on and <laughs> yeah, damn right. the torpedoes. We're gonna live, man. We're gonna be And here comes Eeyore. <laughs> well, they must have been gambling. Well, I mean you gotta have those rules if you're if there's a lot of moolah on the line. No, it's golf. You know? Golf is governed by specific rules. Um yeah, but that's too specific. I mean that that's definitely to save arguments over cash. <laughs> Ridiculous, Gordon. Absolutely. I, you know Absurd. What? Shout out to the Hardy Brits going through this situation. Look, We're going to let not... a little thing like the Blitz uh, ruin their way of life. We're going to play golf, darn it. And you know what? You're not going to ruin it because we've got rules that we'll play by still, even if you bomb the darn course. No, they that, didn't want to. They, they wanted to. They that's wanted toughness. to prevent fights breaking out on the golf course over rules. Because uh, if you're just playing golf normally and you have you have shrapnel on the fairway, I mean, you just move the ball a little bit, right? But that, that, if, if there's big money on the line and the care factor is so high, then you've got to spell these things out. All right. So if let's say that's true, let's say it was all. Because they were gambling and being degenerates and, and that sort of thing, and they didn't want anyone to cheat. You're telling me that if you were one of them and had money on the game and your opponent's ball was blown to kingdom come by a bomb, you wouldn't, you'd say, play it where it lies? Okay, shooter. I mean, look, I'm not making fun of the times. I've, I've often, I've read about this time. In history, as you know, Jake, I know you're a big history buff too. I have I've studied this whole Battle of Britain out, and I understand it was a tough, tough time for everybody. And thank goodness that uh, the people followed Winston Churchill and, and stood up to what was going on. And and, the, were, and thank goodness you weren't around because you would have been like, "What's the point? What are we doing here?" <laughs> inflexible in uh, in their you know their determination to. To stay, uh, stay uh, alive. Jake, you still got the rules free. there. Read but, rule six but, again. But, but, but. <laughs> uh, read rule six. A ball lying in a crater, maybe. A crater. <laughs> <laughs> this is not about gambling, See, sir. No, it is because that's got to be spelled out. Otherwise, you just chuck the ball out of the the crater and play on. But you know, buddies are out there going, "Oh, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa! You can't do that." You can't move that shrapnel. You can't move that ball just because a bomb was there. I am so oh, impressed by the Brits here. So impressed. 
Honestly. Uh, it, it's a sign of patri- patriotism and the hearty nature. You're not going to get to me. You're not going to. Yeah, you're not going to. You're going to have to throw us off our game. We're proud. We're going to do it. It's just like the people but, that were golfing in Hawaii when the nuclear text came in. They said, ah, I'm still going to keep I'm golfing. I'm going to finish my round. But were no, no, apparently it's about yeah. degenerates who are so well, addicted to gambling that they, yeah, they could Hold on, hold on, hold on. The Hawaii put their, situation. Put their bad habits on hold for 10 minutes. <laughs> Good. <laughs> if you've ever played golf in Hawaii, you know how expensive it is. And so uh, you don't want to waste that round that you, that you paid 350 bucks for. <laughs> oh, jeez. Bombs uh, be damned, you know, or, or uh, nuclear... Warheads be damned in that situation. You paid three fifty for that round. You're going to play it out. Tim Lacombe will join the show at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. Stay tuned. More next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Oh, hey, guys. Jake here for my friends at Zero Res. And listen, with the, the time of year, things are a little wet out there, a little muddy. Snow comes down, then it melts. You're still coming in and out of your house. That means that mud, that dirt. The dust, it's all coming in with you, and that all gets stuck deep down in your carpets, your upholstery, and that's where my friends at Zero Res come in. And I say my friends because I've been using Zero Res for a long, long time, well over 10 years. They are amazing. Their customer service can't be beat. I've handed them some projects. Let me tell you, some dirty carpets over the years, and they always come through with flying colors. And they do it, of course, with their powered water technology, which they don't use soaps, uh, shampoos, harsh chemicals, those sorts of things that leave behind residues that actually attract dirt back into your carpets. So your carpets are going to stay cleaner longer. And since they use less water than the other guys, your carpets are going to dry faster too. And now they have the best deal, honestly, the best deal that I've seen from Zero Res in a long, long time, $25 per room clean. That's right, 25 bucks. Now you've got to clean at least three but that is an unheard of price, 25 bucks per room clean. So call them today. Tell them Jake from The Zone sent you, 801-288-9376. Tell me you want that great deal, 25 bucks per room clean, 801-288-9376. That's 801-288-ZERO. Michelle Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Tim Lacombe is going to join the show at the top of the 5 o'clock hour, so stay tuned for that. But right now it's time for the Not Sports Board, brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles and inventory. Shop online, lhmusedcars.com. Gordon, where are we, go- where are we going today? Well, we're going to a couple different cities. Uh, the first one, let me ask you, and I don't know if you saw this story, but there is one city in America that was – voted this year the most corrupt in the country. Which city do you think it is? Chicago. You are right. Hasn't it been that way forever? (laughs) Has it, or is that just sort of a stereotype? Uh, I think it's been that way for a while. Okay. Um, Jake, there was a story I was going to pass along, but I've decided against it. Why? Because... Because I have my standards. I'm not going to sully the show with a sullied not sports report. Oh, thank you. But, let me... <laughs> but I thought I was going to do it until the last second. But I have this instead. 
London has a problem, Jake. You know what it is? Boris Johnson? <laughs> no. <laughs> Bad dental pro- programs. <laughs> and it's got nothing to do with the rules of golf. Um, there have been, over the last year, a, there has been a 78% rise in uh, calls for pest controllers to get rid of rats. 78% rise. Now, how do you feel about rats? Um, they're not my favorite. <laughs> Have you ever had a rat problem? <laughs> uh, we've had rats in our neighborhood, for sure. That's an issue. Where we yeah. uh, There's a lot of streams by my house, so we have to deal with that occasionally. Uh-huh. So, I mean, didn't you have a rat nest in your in the bushes out front? Yeah. Well, at least a that was, rat nest. That was a theory. Yeah. <laughs> Not a mouse nest. A rat no, no, nest. No, no, no. Rats are rats are an issue in the in the foothill areas. Uh, but but yeah, we had a uh, <laughs> we were outside and it was getting dark. Uh, we were all uh, uh, playing a game out on my back patio, sitting around like a like a you know patio table or whatever, and there was a bird feeder. And my roommate at the time liked birds, I guess, and put food in the bird feeder. And honestly, it was basically the bird feeder was a foot away, like behind the table. And uh, uh, while we're sitting there, a big old rat dropped right out of the tree and into the bird feeder to uh, like probably two feet away from my brother's head. Wow. Oh. That's pretty interesting. But yeah. I, yeah. I, our, uh, one of the houses I lived in in California. You lived in uh, California? We had, we had, uh, we had that's a good mice. story. I don't think I can top that. We had this ivy, uh, patch for lack of a better word. And I'm telling you, there were rats in there. Oh, and it was gross. I, I mean, what do you do? What do you do with rats, Jake? Do you call the, the, the rodent patrol? Like, uh, like I was talking about in London. What would you what would you do if if you found five rats in your house? Well, how sensitive? Well, in my house or in my yard? Because that's different it, things. Okay. In my, in my house, I suppose I'm probably calling a professional. But if it's in my yard, I mean, how many neighborhood <laughs> pets am I worried about killing? <laughs> you gonna sit on the front the front slope? No, 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 no. Because no, 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 <laughs> no. But if you put out, I, I'm serious about this. If you put out poison which is something that uh, they recommend doing. You do have to be really sensitive about neighborhood pets and that sort of thing because you don't want... Specifically cats. Specifically who cats. Who don't care about borders. Right. You don't want them. I was I was making a joke there, but that's actually a really serious thing if you go the yard poison route. But, uh, you know, you can go with the big traps, I suppose. What do they say is the cause for this rise, Gordon? Because isn't that what wiped out... Like a quarter of London's population in the plague was the rats? <laughs> well, I think there's been some migration of the rats because they're looking for food. Uh, and they've and they've been able to breed in, in certain places. And it's just caused a, you know, mm. like, a, I, like, a, like a bunny, a bunny situation <laughs> where you got a lot of rats running around. And I, do you know the difference between, a, you, you mentioned mice. What's the difference between a mouse and a rat? One's little. Is it just size? I'm guessing. No, it's they're you know. different animals. <laughs> but I mean, because would you that's, react? What's the difference between a rhinoceros and a raccoon? <laughs> One's little. Yeah, but they look alike. 
So, so what, I mean, if you found a mouse in your house, would you feel differently than finding a rat? Not really. One, one time <laughs> in California, uh, we were selling at one of our houses. and uh, it, You had uh, more than it, one house in California? <laughs> just never mind. At, it, well, it, wait, no, 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 okay, no, no. Mitt no. Romney. <laughs> Let's... Was this one more than one house at a time? Uh, it was. Uh, it, was. No, no, it was. No, it wasn't. It was. It was. It was. It was complicated. But I won't get into it right now. But uh, there, there. This, this one house that we lived in was uh, built in 1926, I believe it was, and it was an old Mediterranean style home. It was very nice. I loved that house, but it was kind of raised up a little bit off the ground, and so. It came to a point where we were selling the house, and so we had an open house, and we had a realtor <laughs> who was in charge of the whole thing, and uh, we, the the basement door was open, and the basement was relatively compact, uh, but it was still big enough to you know house some things down there, and uh, my wife had put a a, a container of chocolate syrup uh, on on the step there. Uh, it was like the second step down. And the door was open. And so they had this open house. And so we vacated the premises. But when we came back, there was a rat sitting on the second step down. The door was open. And the rat was, was uh, gnawing through the plastic container that the chocolate was in. And I thought, I thought, oh, that ought to sell our house really quick. Sitting right there on the second but, step. But if it doesn't sell it really quick, we've got the other house we can live in. Maybe house is. <laughs> we didn't find out if it was limited to just two. Yeah, I didn't really move past anything besides the multiple Southern California houses. I'm blown away story. by that. Yeah. When we were selling one of our mansions in the hills... Was it in La Jolla? La Jolla. They're not living in that trash. Doesn't where isn't that where Mid <laughs> Mid has a house in La Jolla, doesn't he? They're both La Mid. Oh, oh yeah, La that's Jolla. true. La Jolla is very nice. What are you talking about? Not compared anyway. to where you lived. No, not true. Not true at all. You used to chip golf balls into the Rose Bowl. I'll, and I'll then that it. was before the the summer mansion in Pismo Beach. <laughs> The rats in Pismo Beach, they have hats and briefcases. They're classy. We have some breaking news. Um, let's see. Adrian Wojnarowski, Adrian Wojnarowski uh, just reporting this on ESPN, and the Jazz have actually put out a statement. But uh, we'll go with Woj first. The Utah Jazz are cooperating with an NBA investigation into former guard Elijah Millsap's allegation that executive vice president of basketball operations Dennis Lindsay made, a bigoted, uh, made bigoted comments during a 2015 end-of-season meeting. The probe will include the sharing of detailed notes taken in the April 2015 meeting that was attended by Millsap and three Jazz officials, sources said. The Jazz have retained outside counsel to assist the league in its review of the matter. Uh, Utah officials, including Lindsay, encouraged the league office's opening of a review of Millsap's allegation, which was lodged on social media Wednesday night. And then they go uh, into a little bit of uh, the background and uh, the comments by Dennis and Quinn Snyder. Here's the Jazz formal statement, uh, Gordon. 
The Jazz organization has zero tolerance for discriminatory, discriminatory excuse me, behavior of any kind. We take these matters seriously. We have proactively engaged outside counsel to work in coordination with the NBA to thoroughly investigate this matter. We seek a comprehensive and unbiased review of the situation. That's perfect. That's the way it should be. Now, uh, one, one thing that I did not know... Is it according to what you just read? There were three people, three jazz officials in the room. That's what Woj said. Um, here, here's another note from Woj. Uh, he says those meeting notes were entered into a team database, and forensic investigators can determine whether they've been altered or updated in any way. Sources said since Lindsay's hiring in 2012, Jazz have taken detailed notes on each end of season meeting held with players. Okay. So that's probably well, pretty good news when it comes that to getting, is good. getting to the bottom of things. That is good because it does need to be uh, investigated and, uh, and, and figured out. I mean, everybody deserves that. So we'll see what happens with it. When, did they say when it was commencing? Had it started already? Not sure. Okay. Well, good. That will protect the innocent. And it will directly put heat upon whoever may have misspoke. So, oh yeah. I Apparently, mean, uh, according to Woz, Justin Zanuck was the third person in the room. Well, that does make sense. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm not sure that if anyone's taking detailed notes on what's happening in the meeting, that if anything like that were ever said, that that would be noted. I have no idea. I have no clue. Uh, and or maybe Millsap thinks he noted it, but uh, you know, yeah, okay, investigate, find out what the truth is, and uh, that that will protect everybody, except for the guilty. So we'll see. Tim Lacombe joins the show next. Ninety-seven five and twelve eighty of the zone.